Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome back to the School of Last podcast, everybody. This is Rick Roberts, and I've got with me today Gavin Miller. How's it going, Gavin? It's going good. Gavin is our producer and aspiring comedian, young fella. <laughs> I'm the old guy. If you're just listening to the show for the first time, uh, we break down different ideas around the concepts of doing stand-up comedy. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking for last, we may get to them. That's not our focus <laughs> on this show. We're here to kind of raise the game for everybody, yeah. including ourselves, and hold ourselves accountable to become better stand-up comics, better performers, so that... There's more opportunities for all of us yeah. if we clean it up a little bit. As or far even as just become a stand-up comic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. if you want to start from scratch, you can go back to That's episode 001 and catch up. Yeah. But there's tons of tips in here. Uh, the long and short of it, I've been teaching comedy classes here in Nashville for 10 years, been doing comedy for 23. So I'm sharing what I have found that works. I'll also share things that didn't work and have a lot of fun with it as we go along. So yeah. with that in mind, today's topic is a fun one. It's nine ways great stand-ups are like great presidents. Yes. And we're going to get to that here in just a second. So I know your mind's already racing, like, has there ever been a great president? Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. Been a while. Yeah, it's been a long but time. there are some back in the day. So we'll get to that topic here in a second. Yeah. If you listen uh, quite a bit, you know that we like to lead off with some iTunes reviews, and today we're going to get to one. Ironically, from Washington, D.C. Nice. This is from Kamikaze Clown back on April 1st. <laughs> April Fool's Day was a big day for reviews, by yeah. the way. <laughs> and it says, Rick has put together a phenomenal podcast. It leaves no stone unturned. Great advice for everyone from beginner to seasoned pro. I love the episodes on comedy writing. I'm a co-founder of the D.C. Comedy Writers Group, and people cool. are always asking me to, uh, for resources. And this is one of the first places I send people. Good nice. work. Thank you, guys. Yeah, I think that's from Wayne and... Uh, we have an interview with Wayne that we're trying to get the audio cleaned up on a little bit. Yeah. And if uh, Wayne, if you're listening, if, if I can't get it cleaned up, it was a little bit tricky that day with the cell phones going into the computer and all that stuff. Um, I'll grab you while we're in Washington, D.C. this summer. But yeah. uh, a great group of, of comics, and they have these huge meetings. Uh, they get together and they brainstorm ideas. And they've got a little podcast now, too. Yeah. So in our show notes, I'll link you to that because I can't remember right off the top of my head. Yeah, what, they're great. Exactly what it's called. But they're really short little five- or six-minute podcasts that you guys would definitely like if you like our show. Yeah. So thank you very much, Wayne, for the review. Also, a rare public appearance by yours truly. Wow. Uh, most of my shows, as the people who have listened know, I do a lot of corporate events and private events where I can't say, come out and see me. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's a rare chance to come out and see me on Saturday, April 25th. So if you're listening to this on the release day or that weekend, it's really soon yeah <laughs> all right so if you didn't if you missed it sorry about that but on 425 i'll be at the punchline at the loft due south in atlanta as atlanta. you guys know their old address they moved out of that building and this is the first show at this location at the loft oh, due awesome. south in peachtree city so to make it easy for you just go to punchline.com you can find out where it is directions show times and all those things cool. uh, i'll be headlining the show i'm told or that there's gonna be, a, I think there's gonna be a lot of people popping in. I'm sure and doing yeah. sets, so it could be a, a bang up show with lots yeah. of extra performers. So check that out. Tickets, I believe, are twenty five dollars online or at the door. Yeah, I'll give you at least twenty three dollars worth and leave it to the other two comics <laughs> to bring a dollar. <laughs> Who knows? It could be crazy, yeah. man. So that's gonna be a lot of fun. That'll be fun. Come out and see me. All right. So uh, Gavin, 
We're going to walk through these nine ways that great stand-ups are like great presidents. Yeah. But before we jump knee-deep into it, um, I just want you to talk about presidents for a second. You lived over in the Baltimore, D.C. area for quite a while. Yes, I was born uh, in northern Virginia, then lived in southeast D.C. for a long time, then uh, kind of in and around the D.C. area. So you were around the, the capital there. When you were growing up, were were any presidents inspiring to you at all in your lifetime, young fella? I remember, I, re- I just remember, I guess, I thought Reagan was president for my entire life. That was, I, you know, I guess when you're young, maybe the time seems to be, but that's, I guess I always have fond memories of sort of that period, maybe, you know, seeing them on TV and, and even going down, like, you know, when you live in that area, you can just go down and watch them do speeches and watch them, you know, do stuff. So it's, it's kind of cool that but that's what i remember i remember reagan yeah reagan seemed like he was president for a long time because when he was president there was some serious stuff going on yeah, so yeah. i think we probably paid attention to the presidency for that eight year span for yeah really intently yeah i remember oddly enough one of the first laughs i ever got uh third grade i would have been in 1977 i yeah. think uh jimmy carter's president yes and we were doing these little presidential reports. And it's funny because my son's in third grade now, and he just did one on Ronald Reagan. Oh, okay, And cool. so he walked up, and they had a first lady, and they right. see, and, you know, fun little <laughs> thing in the school gym. But we had one when I was in third grade, and I was Jimmy Carter, and I remember doing his voice pretty well. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I was like, Hi, everybody. My name is Jimmy Carter. <laughs> I'm a peanut farmer from down here in Georgia. And if you elect me, peanuts for everybody. <laughs> and uh, that got a big laugh Gosh. from a lot of people. And, you know, it was my first voice, so I guess, funny. I ever did. Yeah, uh, first impression. Yeah, Jimmy Carter. <laughs> Carter. I like that. So, Love it. So, yes, yeah, so we've had a lot of, of different types of presidents here. And I know this is an international podcast, so you can insert your leader or prime minister or dictator. Dictator. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, I think some of these same traits yeah. will, will show up in them. The first thing I think a great president has to do, and he has to do this just to get elected, is to differentiate and position himself to stand out. Okay. Just like a great comedian will differentiate who they are. And position themselves to stand out from the masses of comedians. There are a lot okay. of people attempting comedy. Yes, there are. You know what I mean? Just like there's a pool of people who want to be president. So when we think about great presidents, they always had a slogan. Right. Or comedians would have maybe a catchphrase uh-huh. that people could identify you with. In order to say, I'm different from all these other people, here's who I am. Yeah, I mean, yeah. sometimes it's just a catchphrase makes you rise above the masses because okay. somebody that maybe saw you but didn't remember your name could call the comedy club and say, hey, I want that you might be a redneck guy. To, right, right, you know, right. When's right. he coming back? Yeah. Just like a great president would have a catchphrase. I remember, you know, not too long ago when Obama was trying to get in, do you recall what his slogan was? Hope and change. Hope and change, yeah. <laughs> which now we're tired of them and we're hoping for some more change. I don't lean either way politically. I lean back and let them all fight it out. But, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, his was big and change. And Clinton, remember his? What was his? Don't stop. Believing. Yeah. Don't stop believing. And ding, I, ding, they had the Fleetwood Mac playing the inaugural <laughs> ball where they spent billions of dollars and yeah. stole all the silverware from the White House and those things. So think about your comedy show. If somebody says, and they will often ask you, what kind of comedy do you do? Uh-huh. Man, that's like one of the deer-in-the-headlight questions. You're going to get yeah. the ent- your entire comedy career, or at least the entire time you're attempting to do this as a career, have an answer for that early. It okay. doesn't have to be an elevator speech necessarily right. where it's you know 30 seconds long or less. Yeah. But think about it right now. I mean, look at yourself and your act. I know you're a beginner, Gavin. You might yeah, not well, even get there yet. That's what I was going to ask is like – when you're saying catchphrase and stuff like that, does that actually mean that you need to have 
like an actual catchphrase like hey he's the guy who says bazinga like or does <laughs> it mean you know or or are you meaning like he has a very identifiable uh you know thing about him yeah i think it's the identity okay because listen because even it's i can't come up with a catchphrase yet even I'm not <laughs> even voters don't even know you're a full the president's full name sometimes like you right. see these jay leno yes. jay walking things where yeah. people don't even know the current president's middle name or yeah. you know so it's about just having something about you that people can identify and identify with that they can sort of hang their hat on right okay and you're not gonna you know get everybody on your side but something that they can identify with and that separates you from the pack okay so let's talk about comics for a second on this like what comics do you see out there today gavin that you like that have a very strong position like you know where they are on things yeah i mean um for one uh jim gaffigan uh, he just came from my twitter feed he has one that's food you know you know if somebody's talking about food, it might be him. <laughs> He's like the prime minister of food jokes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was trying to think of some other ones. Um, I like what Adam Carolla does, and he's got, you know, I mean, he's like, you know, cars and carpentry and, you know, sort of quote-unquote manly, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. So you definitely have, you know, you know exactly his point of view. Yeah, you think about um, back in the day, Tim Tool Time, yes. Taylor, yeah. Tim. Okay, so his, his whole stand-up act turned yeah. into a sitcom because it was all around one thing. That, yep. was, that was kind of a hook. Yeah, Hook's probably a better word than catchphrase for what we're trying to talk yeah. about in positioning yourself, but something people can identify with. You know, um, Lewis Black. Yeah. You know, he's positioned himself as the ranter. Yep. Right? Yeah. Um, Carrot Top, whether you like him or not, I think he's got some good stuff, but not everything's for me. <laughs> he's positioned himself as the prop comic, the yeah. prop comic. Yeah. So they're, they're the president of that genre. Well, and it's good because if, if you said, yeah, he's the guy who does props, you would go, oh, yeah, it's Carrot Top. Or he's the guy who rants like a crazy person. You go, oh, it's Lewis Black. Yeah. You know? And, and he's the comic who rants against guys who do props. That's yeah. every other comic that's out there. <laughs> yeah, every other one. And so that's true. Like, there's there's things that you want to identify yourself yeah. with. But also just knowing who you are. You know, if you can't do anything else today as you develop your comedy, think about who you are and where it's coming from. And if that is different enough than other comics to help separate you. Okay. All right? So that's the first little way that stand-ups are like presidents. The second, I think, is probably could be the most important thing on here. Yeah. Is establishing trust. Yes. <laughs> now, let's just pretend that we still trust or have trusted <laughs> any president yeah. over the course of history. Yeah. The feeling that you could trust him is what made you vote for him. Right. Or the feeling that you could trust him a little bit more than the other person. Yeah. I think that's pretty much that's, the way people vote, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which yeah. is a lesser of two evils and which can we tolerate. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then it always backfires no matter who it is. Yeah. So presidents need to do that they also need to do that with other leaders uh-huh you know around the world sure with their own party yep because there's been presidents that weren't you know the popular vote for yeah. sure and, and a lot of their party didn't even like him but once they're in there they got to get that trust going yeah and when you're on stage and you're a comic you've got to get the trust of the audience that's true yeah if the audience doesn't trust you or you don't seem fluid enough or coherent or consistent then they can see through that if you're not authentic is same, that is that what creates the the fear like sometimes you see the audience almost get afraid like you're not going to be okay like you know what i mean you go to speak up there and it's like and they kind of you see them get tense and you're tense and they don't trust you when you're not relaxed they yeah, sense, yeah yeah they, yeah well yeah i think if they, if they don't think you're in control of the show okay 
And that's the most important thing when you're on stage is to drive that train, buddy. Right. You got to keep control of that sucker all the time. Okay. Because if you don't and they see that the other audience members are getting the better of you, then there's blood in the water. <laughs> there's blood in the water and you're going down and they're no longer campaigning for you. Right. And the, the assassins are up the. in the balcony and John Wilkes Booth is coming oh, around the corner. God, this is, that's all the fears in my head. Yeah. You know, you sell the convertible, don't take any risks driving through Texas. That's when, you, you know, if the, and it only takes one person sometimes in a crowd not to trust you yeah. to start some trouble. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? So that's one thing. You also have to get the trust of the people that book you. Okay. You know, so there's a million things that can go into that, but just to kind of go off off the top two or three in my mind is do what you say you're going to do. Okay. If I say, Gavin, I need to book you next week for a show. I need you to do 30 minutes. I need it to be clean. Right. And you show up, you do 20, and it's half clean. A little bit, yeah. Then I can't trust you on a future booking. Okay. If, I, if you don't show up. Right. If you show up late. If, you, if I told you to dress nice and you <laughs> I didn't. I feel like we're... <laughs> I'm not, I feel like I'm in an employee uh, evaluation <laughs> meeting right now. I'm looking at you, but I'm yeah. seeing myself as well. <laughs> no, there's times where I, uh, you know, showed up and the gig was a little different than I expected and maybe yeah. didn't deliver what they expected. But you try to minimize that and, and deliver what they expect. Okay. And that also ha- comes into how they market you. You know, if you say you're going to do a, a clean show and they market it that way, people show up and then you, you're cussing around the gate. Right. Okay. Same thing if you're gonna. I guess if you're gonna do a filthy show, if it says X-rated filthy comedy, and you show up, you don't deliver, and you're not dirty enough. Well, you got to deliver whatever, whatever they wanted. I mean, not you know, in with who you are, but if you build yourself as that kind of comic, then you got to deliver it. You You do, and and if you advertise a diverse show, like I've I've seen that advertised, (laughs) and it's it's three different kinds of old white guys, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, if you promise that, you know, make sure you deliver. So. With the bookers, they want to know what they're booking, and you have to be consistent with that. And you get that trust going. Right. Um, yeah, I know for a fact after 23 years, I've got some guys that call me or shoot me emails about gigs, and they don't need to look at a tape anymore. Yeah. You know, they trust they that I'm going to go in, and the word of mouth from previous people is solid, and I'm going to do the job. So that's something that takes a while. Yeah. And that's why it says establish trust. You can't just have trust out of the gate. That's true. That is a good point. You have to really establish that. That is That's true. So give yourself some time on that. And it also goes along with establishing trust among your fellow comics. Okay. Every, and I don't care where you live and how good you think your scene is, every scene's got people that are excelling. Okay. People that are mad that people are excelling. And when they're out of town (laughs) doing TV shows or whatever, they're talking bad about them or they're finding the clink in the armor that they can take down. So you offstage, everything you do offstage is part of how comics trust you. Okay. Okay. So when we talked about the bookers trusting you, so that's you not the audience, necessarily on stage stuff. That's all off stage. Well, stuff. the the audience and the bookers that's getting their trust on stage by okay. doing what you deliver, and even off stage with the bookers. But the comics, off stage, how you treat them, okay, establishes trust. How you talk about them, how you help them get gigs, or how, if you're talking negative about them, so that they may not get a gig that you can get. Uh, oh, right. Okay. All that stuff, all that backstabbing, gotcha. trash talking. If you don't like somebody's act. See if you can like the person. If you don't like either, then just don't hang out with them. Right. Yeah. You know, be neutral. If somebody asks you about them, say, well, you know, I've got nothing to say. Yeah. And that they might think of that as a negative comment, but you didn't say anything negative. Right, yeah. And I've given examples on the just, podcast where I've, you know, I was talking negative about a comic I never met, but just had seen his stuff. Right. And, and thought it was he was just the hackiest dude in the world. But the, the manager said, well, I have a lot of less respect for you now because, right. you know, I booked that person because I liked him and I yeah, thought yeah, I liked yeah. you. So we've heard that story from me before. <sighs> 
And that was a tough one, man. That was a gut punch, but I needed to hear it. Yeah. I was, it didn't benefit me at all. Yeah. I wasn't even working with the guy. I'm like, I can't believe you got that guy coming up And in I a will few say, weeks. like, because I, uh, since we've talked about being from D.C., I learned that lesson coming to Nashville because D.C. is uh, and the surrounding area is so big that if you badmouth someone, I mean, heck, if you could work with somebody and if you stopped working with them, you'd never see them again in your whole life when you live there. And then when I moved to Nashville, it's so small that any everybody everybody sort of, sort of learns this Nashville sh- verbal shuffle, like where you if somebody asks you your opinion on something, you kind of go, you know, hey, yeah, they, they they work hard. Or they're, you know, oh, they're great. That, that's a lot of, you know, you get that response because the the community is so small here. Everybody knows everybody else. They go to the same places. They You bump into them at the grocery store. And being a comic is kind of like that, even smaller, yeah. you know. You gotta watch. You gotta watch what you say with those people because those are the people that are also going to be in positions to to work with you. Sure. You know, it's just it was something I totally learned when I got down here. It was like, you know, uh, I think I was asked, you know, hey, do you like so and so? And I was like, ugh, don't I don't like them at all. There, it's it's terrible. This was talking about musicians, you know, when I first moved down here, and it was like, it was like I quickly learned they were like, oh yeah, well I go to church with him, yeah. and it was like, oh yeah, that's oh, my I, brother. <sighs> yeah. Oh God! And I just immediately realized I was like, "They're never gonna talk to me again. Like they're never gonna hire me again." And I see that person all the time, yeah. and it's still, and it's just comes down to to that uh that trust, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, comics will not trust you. I mean, I used to joke with the, the guys in my improv group because yeah. we would ha- we had seven in the group and we would travel with five, right? And the group of five on the road would usually talk negative about the two that were staying back. <laughs> so one day we were doing that, and I, I just noticed what was going on. I'm like, so just tell me, what do you guys say about me when I'm not here? Right, yeah. And they did. They told, they told me <laughs> stuff, and they, they nailed it. Yeah. Uh, some of it was pretty funny, though. That's good. But, yeah, just you know, be on the up and up, and you'll gain that trust, and trust can lift you up, man. Trust is like a, an escalator, whereas if you don't have it, you're climbing a ladder. Yeah. So that's the second point, establish some trust. Third, I think great comics and great presidents are great at both short and long-term planning. Yeah, that's now, true. There might be, this might be where it's, there's more disparity than the rest. Most comics, myself included at different points, didn't really have a, a good plan. Yeah. Not even a four-year plan, let alone an eight. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the presidents, you know, at least they've got that initial four-year plan. Yeah. It takes them a while to get things rolling, and depending on how the Congress and House of Representatives are set up, they can either accomplish that quicker or, or not as quick. Yeah. You know, that all plays into it. (laughs) But comics would do well to think of a four-year plan. Okay. And then extending that out to an eight-year plan. Right. And keeping that run going. Okay. So, Gavin, you're in the early stages. I'm in that first year. (laughs) We've got listeners who want to hear some of your stand-up. I know. I need to to go. So part of your four-year plan is is a four- or five-day plan here is to get on stage again. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, for we, sure. We worked on that joke and that bit, and they want to hear what it sounds like. Yeah, I've got that and some other things I want to get up there, too. Yeah. yeah so your, your planning needs to start now. And when you get rolling in comedy, say you do get the ball rolling and you jump full-time into it, Yeah. Uh, you got to renew that four-year plan starting two years in. Right. Just like with presidents. they want to Just because stuff looks different from look, that point of view. That, and you're you're starting your campaign again, really. Right. You know, that last, the last two years of the first four. Uh-huh two years in yeah. your third and fourth years you're building towards that next election already sure, sure. whether it's with the fundraising efforts or whatever so having a plan and sticking to it is going to help you out yeah 
and as long as we're talking about four and eight year plans, when you think about it, most most big time comedians that that blow up and disappear, right? It's a four or eight year period where they're hot as can be, okay, and then it's just oversaturation or burnout. Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's always chances of bouncing back. Sure, but if you look in the recent history. Um, you know, Dave Chappelle has recently bounced back. Mm-hmm. You know, he took himself out of the game after right. that big run, which, if we looked at it, was probably in that four to eight year run where he was blowing yeah. it up and selling out and had yeah. a TV show. And then he's just like, "I need a break." Yeah, you know. So the burnout is very high. Um, guys that were famous for a big chunk really fast, like you know, Dane Cook. Yeah, sure, that was a, a meteoric rise. Yeah, two or three <laughs> movies, and then some confrontation, and then yeah, yep. and you know, he's bouncing back. He's got some things going now, but. It's it's a very intense time yeah. when you're running the country. When you're running your own comedy career, you can burn out as well. Yeah. So that's another little similarity between the two. The fourth, I think, is pretty important. Okay. And a bad president will turn a blind eye to it, and right. a bad comic will turn a blind eye to it. And that's being aware of your weaknesses. Yeah. That's easy. I have none. So that's we're right. Good. So we're you're, good. We're your golden. first one is you're not aware of <laughs> humility. <any> yeah. <laughs> and I say weaknesses because we all got weaknesses. Yeah. I mean, and that that's whether it's on stage, off stage, in your marketing, in your advertising, in your merchandise. There's lots of different aspects to being a comic, and so getting a little checkup on that, it, right. finding out from other comics that are maybe more established, what are my weaknesses? How can I get better in these areas? Sure. Sometimes, like I say, you're right there in front of it. You don't even realize it's there. We talked last episode about a friend of mine mentioned my video maybe wasn't as funny as I really was. Right. It was a nice compliment, but it was also making me aware of something that he saw as a weakness. Yeah. And that I've you know taken some steps to change. So that's good. So being aware or being exposed. Yeah. And listen, even the best are going to get exposed at some time. Yeah. Even the superpowers will have some terrorism come in there and rain down on it. Yeah. Right, so being aware of those things and taking some action. If you can do it proactively, great. If not, make sure you make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Or take yeah. those steps. Uh, I'm going to add one in here okay. real quick that's not in there. <laughs> um, comics and great presidents, listen to everybody. They have the pulse. That's true, yeah. And our Very government true. listens to our phone calls, Yeah, checks our email, <laughs> creates databases, known travelers, yeah. suspected terrorists. Yeah. And you also, as a comic, need to keep your pulse on what's going on, what's topical, yeah, okay. what's You're trending. Okay, you're meaning like, like the general pulse of the n- yeah. people. Yeah, I uh, mean, it's yeah. great to have an act that is self-contained and doesn't need any updating, you know, evergreen material. Sure. Which is great. We'll, we'll do an episode on that. Yeah. Make sure we... All these things we're saying, let's do an episode. That's a good topic. But it's also important to know what's going on around you. Yeah. Now, when I first started comedy, I kind of did stand-up shortly, then I got into improv, and improv was great for keeping us current because our suggestions came from the audience. Yeah. And we had you know different games where we would pick topical stuff in the news. Sure. And it was great because they told us what was topical in the news to them. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes yeah. the stuff that was on the headlines doesn't didn't really register, but they were digging in more to the pop culture angle on right. stuff. And so I'd see that in improv, hear the suggestions. I would write jokes from those suggestions into my stand up act. Right. Yeah. Just knowing what was current out there because I was I'm not the well, kind of now you're even changing it now because you you looked back at your material and went okay well that stuff's a little bit old now and it dated and now I'm gonna update it yeah you know and so yeah you're 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 doing that you're staying, changing it yeah staying current yeah. Stay, staying current with myself too not just what's going on in the news but what's yeah. relevant to me to you yeah yeah I think that's even bigger in some ways 
So I just kind of wedged that one in there. They no, listen, I like it. <laughs> it's it's worth mentioning. Yeah, so start tapping some phone lines and see what's going yeah. on there. So we'll say that one was 4A. Yeah. Now we're back on track five. Stick to your point of view. Yes. Again, can take a while to develop. And if you're new to the podcast and comedy, point of view is the part of you as a comedian that will help you do the first thing, differentiate differentiate and position yourself. Yeah. Make yourself different. Yeah. <laughs> so your point of view, once you establish it, it needs to be consistent yeah. and constant. And it's so valuable. Like it's almost the most important thing because it tells the audience who you are, you know, and that's so, I don't know that, that when I was first looking in to get into comedy, I was like, gosh, who am I? Like what, is my point of view so that I can start writing. <laughs> right. And then and then you sort of had me do it the opposite way. Just start writing and then see what common things come up in my in my writing. Yes. You know. Um and so that has helped me a, a lot more. <laughs> well, I think it's really helpful. In in the writing class, I tell the you, you don't have to do these assignments to get them back to me. Yeah. But if you do, I might be able to identify a point of view for you so early yeah. that you're going to leapfrog years and years and years. Right, yeah. Because uh, having your point of view solid, it's a foundation, but to me it's like a magnet. All right, so with, uh, without totally. that... I could have a million shiny objects on the table, right? And I want to write about the funny, you know, make a funny joke about the Kardashians or Bruce Jenner, right? That whole family's messed up, <laughs> uh, you know. Politics over here might want to talk about The Walking Dead or right. Breaking Bad. So they're all shiny objects, but do any of those really play into my point of view? Once yeah. you once you have the magnet, you set that sucker down in the middle of the table. Everything that's important starts gravitating towards it, right? So when I'm out and about, if I see something. And I think it might be something I could use in my act. Yeah. Uh, if it stays with me for a day or two, like a magnet will hold something tight, I will write about it. Yeah. If it if it comes and goes in two days and I really didn't care about it, I just thought, hey, that'd be a quick one-liner. Yeah. It may not really serve me in the long run. Yeah. One, one idea that keeps coming up with me um, in my writing stuff is that sort of uh, life isn't what I thought it was going to be like. Mm -hmm. And so that point of view keeps coming up in my stuff and so then I'm like oh well you know now when I see some new topic or something come up all of a sudden I'm like oh can I can I jump from this to that you know so no that's a great one I just I'm thinking about that right now life is not what I thought it would be and I think that's common for folks your age yeah oh totally I just hit the table I just hit the table huge your age again for everybody uh, that's listening. 36. So 36. So I think that's, you know, in your early 30s to where you are now, you're yeah. like, okay, so I thought I would be here. I'm yeah. over here instead. I thought this would have happened. It hasn't. Right. I didn't know this would happen. It has. Yeah. And so you've got some perspective yeah, in you your have, 30s. Yeah, you have just enough behind you, um, you know, you have just enough behind you to make, to make some future decisions, and you've got enough in front of you to make some things be able to happen you mm -hmm. know it, you're not too late you're not too early you're sort of in that perfect little thing and so but i'm finding out that nothing i don't know i guess not that i was sold a bunch of lies it's not that kind of feeling it's not like an anger and hate type feeling but it's just to like well that's not what was supposed to happen I, I thought from watching all those disney movies that, that you know right that i it would just be so much easier and, and less heartbreaking i guess and so that's that's the point of view that's coming through some of the material you know sure no, I, that's solid i am now like i'm now married but here's all the depression and angst and and horrific feelings that came up 
and you know driving around listening to Jeff Buckley sing Hallelujah in, in my car, weeping like a a little girl. Um, you know that goes along into that story. You really sell so, marriage. <laughs> I mean, I think every guy out there who's single is like, hey, that's, if that's what marriage is like, I'm jumping right in that boat. Yeah, well, that you boat know, of depression and singing. It's, <laughs> it's that is what I'm. That is what I feel like, and I feel like a lot of not not. I don't feel the depression, but I did feel the depression, and yeah. nobody tells you about that stuff. Uh, you know, it's all hey, you're gonna get a career, everything's gonna be great, and and so anyway, I'm finding out that that sort of my point of view is to connect, to connect to the common experience that is, I guess, uh, broken expectations, which I think is a gold mine for material because everybody younger than you that hasn't reached that point will start to see what's on the horizon. Yeah. People that are your age are going through it. Yeah. And the people that are past it will realize yeah. that you're getting ready to make the big <laughs> step. I mean, it's funny. Uh, if I could be totally honest, I think I didn't even realize until my 30s when I was making a, a decision that yeah. it actually was. Oh, yeah, totally. When you're in your teens and 20s, you're just doing. You're yeah. reacting. You, somebody, you want to go here? Yeah, you go here. Yeah. You don't realize you're making decisions that impact your life. Absolutely. Sometimes until you're in 30s. Other people have things happen earlier that really bring that to them a lot quicker. But the average person, I think, you got to live a little before yeah. you learn what's going on. Totally. And now, every decision I make, I'm, I'm thinking about how it impacts the future. The yeah. future. And when yeah. I, if I shortchange myself on that decision process... Something negative happens every yeah. time. Yeah, absolutely. But it's like it's like the point where you go from buying the uh, the furniture that you put together yeah. to where you just pay a guy like Gavin to make a nice make piece it. of furniture. It's going to last a hundred years. Absolutely, it may cost twice, three times as much, but, but it's it, going to last ten times as long. Yeah. So it's investing in yourself, and that's what you're doing now. And I love that point of view. Yeah. In fact, that's that's great. You can pivot all the way around <laughs> the circle on that thing. It's uh, a it's yeah. a 360 degree angle I've you've got. <laughs> With, with no corners yeah. <laughs> to back yourself into. So that's good. And the important thing about sticking to your point of view, obviously, is if, if you gain some fans, some followers who's, who wants to see what you're doing and yeah. read what you're tweeting Get and on buy the, your CDs, the, yeah. when they bring somebody to a show or turn somebody on to you, you need to be the person that they remembered. Oh, totally, yeah. So I'm not saying that you can't evolve and change as you get further into comedy, but you should be consistent yeah, in, you know, for periods of time, so people can actually know what to expect. What's when they going show up. on? Yeah, and that goes back to the trust thing as well. That's another thing that just uh, kind of plays yeah. into it. Like, I don't have kids now, but I'm sure I'll be disappointed in them too. So, yeah. <laughs> as, as we move into the future, yeah, it reminds me of that old saying, and I think John Cougar turned it into a song that if, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Yes, yeah, and so that's kind of what it's like. You got to have your point of view, and that shadows all your all your everything. comedy material. Yeah, it touches everything. Yeah, or else you're just reciting jokes to recite jokes. Yeah. I kind of like that one. We could probably talk more, but let's get on to our next thing. Good leaders, good stand-ups, good presidents are also good at doing due diligence, but yet having swift action. Okay. Do you know due diligence? Do you I, know that term? I do due diligence. You do do do. <laughs> so when you do due diligence, it's you're doing your research. Doing your homework. Doing your homework, uh, getting as much information as you can before you make a decision. Yeah. But you don't spend your entire life in the due diligence process. When you've got enough and you're beyond the shadow of a doubt to make a decision, you act swiftly. And that's, yeah. what, that's what great presidents do, and it, it can reshape history yeah. when oh, they yeah. do it correctly. But when they react without due diligence, perhaps maybe we thought there were more stockpiles of, of mass destruction right. yeah. than were really there, yeah. or if any. <laughs> you know, We had some evidence of some wrongdoing, but maybe we went a little haywire there little swift. and then or maybe we swiftly declared we beat terrorism on the third yeah. day when it's 
still right. a major problem. I mean, as, as an American, I realize that sometimes we take swift actions without proper due diligence or yeah. with misinformation. Yeah. And that's all part of a great uh, president. Now, comics the same way. Yeah. Especially with swift action, I'm thinking about handling hecklers, right? Yeah. Oh, man. Which we'll talk about in our next step. But let's just kind of combine those two. When, when somebody pipes up in the audience, you have to quickly identify the situation. Yeah. Just like a president would, right? Identify why it's happening. Is it you? Is it the environment? Is it something you didn't pay attention to earlier? Right. And then you decide how you're going to respond. You just don't drop a bomb, on, a nuclear bomb on somebody right, right out of the gate. You know, you take some sanctions. Yeah. You draw attention. <laughs> you know, the first step is to draw attention to it. Yeah. Because to acknowledge you, it. Right. And yeah. you have to make it public because if you don't and you act on something, especially in an extremely harsh or swift way, and people don't understand why, then you put yourself in the bully position really quick. Right. Same so thing the, with hecklers. The sort of the big decision on that would be either to blow them out of the water with some verbal shot or have them pulled out of the club or something. I mean, well, the, it it can escalate. And again, we'll do an entire episode <laughs> on hecklers. But in in a nutshell, my approach is these are like uh, these episodes are like those little uh, dolls, the wooden dolls. Like you you think you've got one doll yet? Yeah, there's like six those in there. Chinese eggs <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Yeah. There are a lot of points yeah. in here, but when you when you address a heckler in a nutshell, you want to make the audience aware yeah. that something's going down. Okay. You want to make the heckler aware that this is not cool. Yeah. You want to give the heckler a chance to quiet down and to absolve themselves from the situation. Yeah. Dear That's, heckler, this happened to me all through high school. Uh, I now have the microphone, and this shall be the end of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of my favorite heckler lines is Steve Martin, and it was so quick, and a million people stole it. But, uh, hey, I remember when I had my first beer. Oh, right. And it was perfect, you know? Yeah. Because he, he put himself in the position of the heckler. Of the person, Realized yeah. that, hey, maybe I didn't act the best way when I had my first beer. Right. And gave the heckler a chance to calm down because he recognized it. Yeah. Now, and call attention. And, and call and, attention. So the audience is totally in on it. Yeah. And they know if the guy keeps up, then you know, we've escalate. already addressed it. Yeah. And the same thing happens with a good leader, a good president, prime minister, or dictator, whatever you have out there, yeah. is they take the next step when the next step is is proper clear yeah you can't drop the bomb right out of the gate so let's say you do that to a heckler and they don't respond and they keep coming back at you you've got nowhere to go right yeah yeah you've already yep so we'll definitely get into that a little bit deeper down the route the road all right um and delegation delegation president okay a great leader great comedian we'll learn how to delegate okay all right. So the one thing that I, I don't want you to delegate early on is all of your writing. I right. Want, I want you to take full responsibility Keeping for that. Keeping in mind we've taken to Twitter to help me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but maybe it takes a whole Twitter Well, to help that me. was crowdsourcing, <laughs> yeah. not delegation. But delegating when you're a comic to me means you know focus on the craft. Focus on being funny. Okay. Get on stage. Do all those things. Spend the time under the lights and okay. on the mic. Gotcha. But if you find that editing your video of your open mic set is taking you seven days right delegate it yeah you know and if you're editing an open mic set you, i don't know what's going on there anyway but maybe <laughs> maybe you did a set at a club and you got a 30 minute spot and, yeah and you spent the the next four weeks editing it editing yeah that is taking time away from you writing comedy give it uh, i here's and here's how i always make those decisions i figure out what my hourly rate is and then if it's costing me more money in terms of my time to have me do it than it would be to have someone else do it. Like, for instance, if it's going to take you 
eight hours to learn the computer program to edit that video, uh, you know, output it and all that stuff. Uh, and you spent eight hours doing that, and you could have spent eight hours even if you got another job. If you could have spent eight hours at that job, you know, making your 25 bucks an hour or whatever, you should have done that. You could have paid somebody else 50 bucks to edit the thing that can do it in probably 45 minutes. Um, and, and, and you'll actually, you'll, you'll not lose money. That's, right. that's what you're, you know, a lot of people don't realize that is they're actually, they're trading their time for money. And a lot of times they're losing money because yeah. they're trying to do everything. I'm, yeah. I'm horrible at that. Well, it's tricky. And, and there's a tipping point where sometimes you have more time than money and more yeah. free time. Yeah. You know, certainly when you first start going on the road, you know, you've got 24 hours and you're only performing for 15 or 30 when you're first starting. Right. And so right? you do have that time. So you to have do some. Stuff. But if you find that that stuff's getting in your way, whether it's that, you know, and I've, I've made all these mistakes. Let me just tell you the first one I made. Oh, yeah. Way back in the day, I, I got Microsoft front page and yeah. created my own website. <laughs> nice. Which was horrible. Yeah. I mean, it was effective in some ways. I was able to, you know, start an email list and get, get emails from yeah. people, those kinds of things. I was able to sell merchandise on there. But it looked like a guy learned how to do it and put it up. Yeah. And I would, you know, this was in, this was literally in the days where you had to connect the phone line I in the condo. these days, yeah. So he, here's a story that will really, you know, hopefully drive home this point. And it's not relevant in some ways now. But... I was spending a whole day trying to upload some new pictures and, and content to my website. Right. So I was using the condo line. You know, AOL had like a local number you would dial. Sure. You'd find that neat city. And <laughs> so I was monopolizing the line for the day. Yeah. Trying to get this information up to my website. I finally get it up like five or six hours later. I mean, it yeah. was dreadfully slow. And then I plugged the phone back in, and it's got that sound where it had messages. Right. You know? So I checked the message, and there was two bookers who had tracked me down to give me work that day except for the fact that you had the but thing. i didn't get it and by the time oh. i called them back oh sorry man we called you at 10 this morning how come it took you so long to call back oh, i've been on the no. computer trying to upload a website for five hours yeah so in that sense i mean that cost me you know it was a while back you know the gigs were probably five or six hundred dollar gigs or something totally. so yeah it probably cost me a thousand bucks to and upload that video yeah absolutely where and i could have paid somebody a thousand bucks to design an entire website Oh, absolutely. I mean, totally. Uh, you know, uh, the, the only the only caveat I'll add to that, I guess, is if you're taking the time to learn how to do something for yourself so that in the future you can do it very easily. That, that That's kind of the only time where the payoff might be greater later on. Well, it's, yeah. You know? Although that's a... It's, it's a, hard to know. It's hard to know. I mean, there are things now... What that, are you wasting your time on? What, you know, as opposed to, you know... It is. It is a. It's well, a hard. Here's here's how you know. If I do it all the time, <laughs> if it's getting in the way of you writing and performing, yeah, farm it out. Okay. You know, farm out your web, farm out your videos. When people, you know, if unless you're just trying to get a reference video and shoot shoot your own stuff, that's fine. But if you're trying to get a DVD or something, right. hire, hire somebody, do it on a three show night. Yeah. Pay them all. It's, they're worth what they're doing for you. Yeah, trust for me. sure. And it'll be done, and you can continue to focus on writing your next show. Yeah. Um, all those things. So delegate whenever possible. <laughs> um, and then the last, uh, every presidential election here in the United States, 
starts off with the potential candidates going through the primary system yep. where they go to these smaller areas of the country to see if they've got a following and they can win over the state. Yeah. If they can win over the state, then similar states might join in on it. Sure. And a big part of the primary process here in the United States is when they go to Iowa. Iowa. Iowa, for those it's of you that aren't in our country, it's a it's farm country. Yeah. It's people that are working super hard to earn their pay. Yeah. And they want somebody in control of the country that's going to look out for their benefits uh, which includes a lot of different farm bills and things like that. Yeah. Um, how they acquire their equipment and how they depreciate which the taxes on Which is a huge part of, of this country. <laughs> it's a huge part. I mean, we do provide a lot of food for a lot of people. And if the president can connect in Iowa early, or right. the potential president, yeah. you know, the candidate, then they can win over the entire country. Because that's really the first insight onto who these people are. And that's, and, and that's also where they sort of check in and see if their message is connecting or if they need to change it a little bit. Yeah. You know? Yeah, they definitely take it on the road and, you know, they kind of go on these bus tours and stop in another place. They go to a small diner to connect with the everyday guy. (laughs) And if they're not doing that early on, they don't gain traction. They don't become a president. Yeah. Same thing with comedians. You can write incredibly brilliant material, super cerebral making arcane references to movies that came out in 1935 <laughs> that were only in, you know, yeah. 6% of the, I mean, you can get that specific if yeah. you want and be brilliant at it. Yeah. But if you don't have enough people connecting with what you're saying, you're not going to be able to get the traction to, to have a mass audience like a, a president or a great comic. So does your material work everywhere? Everywhere. In, in general. Yeah. There's going to be places where you, if you're from New York, you don't talk about the subway when you're in Des Moines. It doesn't yes. make sense. Yeah. But can you connect with the people in Des Moines? Because they're the ones watching the TV shows. They're well, the you'll ones find out at a certain point when you go through. <laughs> yeah, when you're working the road to, to become established, you're going to be working the Iowas and Kansases and yeah. Nebraskas. Good people there, but can you connect with them? Yeah. Same thing goes comics and presidents right there, you know. So that's our nine ways that great stand-ups are like great presidents. Yeah. There might be um, some spinoff from a few of those things for future episodes. But think about it. I like it. It's definitely some some things to think about and apply today. If you are listening to this podcast and you've listened to multiple episodes, or even if this is your first one, we are now approaching our one-year mark. Yes. And we'll we'll have over 52 episodes in that year because we we had some extra ones come out. But we're getting there really soon, and we're going to do a little revamp. Yeah. uh, Can't wait. When we hit that one-year mark. Uh, we'll do a specific episode kind of embracing the past year and what worked and what didn't and what we liked and what we learned. But we also are going to make some changes to get you guys even more involved. Yeah. So here's here's what we're going to ask you guys to do. Send us an email or hit us up on Twitter if you like. It's at School of Laughs on Twitter or School of Laughs at gmail.com. And let us know what you've liked over the past year. What would you like to hear more of? Yeah. What you keep waiting to hear but haven't heard. <laughs> yeah. And also ideas from you of how maybe you can become more part of the show. Yeah. Now, Gavin and I, uh, we're bouncing some ideas back and forth. Here's one thing that we want to do in the next year is to have a segment early on in the show where we take a joke from a listener. And if you want to send us the audio of that joke. That'd be great. That would be great. So yeah. we could hear it and we could hear what's working and what's not. And then we will play it on the air, so you'll introduce yourself to an audience of fellow comedians and, yeah. and other listeners who just love comedy. So it'll be a nice break for you. We'll identify your website so people can find you. Oh, but we'll, for sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if you know whatever you're asking about that joke for us to critique or or look at, we'll do for you. Yeah. So 
say you send us in a joke that's got, you know, it's a minute long. Let's just say this to keep it simple. No longer than 50 words. Yeah. So when you write out yeah, that joke. Yeah, we can't do the diatribe about, you know, Paula, yeah, <laughs> whatever. We can't just say make this shorter. <laughs> yeah. But give us a joke that's 50 words or less, and it could be a one-liner or whatever. Yeah. And we'll tell you what we think about it. I'll tell you maybe ideas of places you can take the joke. Yeah. How to edit it down. Certainly I'll be looking at that for everyone, how you can make this joke shorter without losing any laughs. And maybe an angle you can come at it that you haven't thought of. And here's the thing. It's a safe place. Like, you you know, your your joke will be received into loving arms. That's right. <laughs> and, and listen. We want to help. I don't know if I can help, but we want to. Well, here's what I like about when we let you, you know, create on the air. Yeah. And we got the Twitter feedback and suggestions. Yeah. I mean, they're still coming in. Oh, yes. Because <laughs> people are still just finding that episode yeah, for the first time. That's the funniest thing is that I, it, I still get a tweet in the middle of the night or something that has a joke. So listen, if you have a joke that you would like to get feedback on, yeah. send it to us, either written or the audio if you can do it, Yeah, and we'll play it, and then you'll have an audience that is broad of other comedy writers yeah. and performers, some probably further down the line than you are, maybe some brand new or never done comedy, but they're going to have some incredibly unique angles yeah. that they'll continue to mm-hmm. get to you, because we'll give out your... Um, Give out your website yeah, and your whatever, Twitter handle. Whatever you send to us, yeah. And if, if that's cool with you, that's what we're going to do. So start sending those in now. Yeah. It'll be a while before we start recording the, the next year, but it's coming up pretty soon. And so send that in when you hear this podcast. Again, 50 words or less, audio or written, and just let us know if we can what we can do for you. Yeah, you know, that'd be if, awesome. Whatever it might be. It might be great, and we say, hey, that was great. Let's move on to our next segment. <laughs> but we want to do that in the early part of, of each episode starting with the new year. Yeah. Uh, also, if you haven't already, jump on the insider tip sheet list. Mm-hmm. You can do that simply by shooting us an email and saying insider tips in there. I'll sign you up for that. It's a bi-monthly newsletter. Okay. We give out uh, re- recaps of the podcast and blogs, but we also connect you with articles that we found in the past two weeks on the internet about famous comics, yeah. comedy stars, uh, things going on in the industry that just doesn't fit into the podcast every week. Yeah. So you'll get that, and you'll also get an invitation in, in the next few weeks to join the Facebook group that'll be just for people that listen to this podcast. Yeah. And that's the only way the invite's going to go out is through the insider tip sheet. Cool. So if you're Very not on that cool. list, I won't be able to get a hold of you. So those are some ideas. Give us other ideas for the show, what you'd like to hear, maybe some special episodes, or if you yeah. know somebody that we should be interviewing, if you've got a great connection with a booker or somebody, um, a, a well-known comic that would love to do the podcast, let us know. Connect us, and we'll get them on the air. We're going to experiment with some more phone call, Skype-type yeah. interviews. Uh, like I said, we recorded one with, with you, Wayne, and the audio is just a little crinkly. I'm trying to get it to work. But as soon as we figure that out, we're going to go fast-word on that and get yeah. you some some more stuff. So people, hook us up with the people you know. We'll get them on, yeah. pick their brain, and definitely let us know what we can do for you. This podcast is all for you. Yes. Sounds great. I had a good time today, Gavin. Yeah. I'm going to go uh, check the Electoral College and see what happened in the last election and see if I can predict who's going to be the next famous comedian. Yeah. All right. Good luck. Stay focused. Stay funny. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit SchoolofLaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.